Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the A Pushing History Podcast. Today's episode discusses the Battle of Wake Island. Welcome to the Alamo of the Pacific. Wake Island is a small atoll in the Pacific Ocean. It consists of three islands that surround a lagoon. The three islands are Wake, Wilkes, and Peel. America gained possession of the atoll as a spoil of the Spanish-American War in 1899. It was considered unimportant at the time because it wasn't near any major shipping lanes. It was neglected by the U.S. and left uninhabited. The significance of the island came with a new form of travel, seaplanes. With the power of flight, the little atoll became a strategic military base, a base for Pan American Airlines' flying boats and a target of the ever-expanding Japanese empire. In the early 1930s, Pan American Airlines built an airstrip for trans-Pacific travel. Later, they built a hotel for the people that were flying across the Pacific. This was the only infrastructure on the island until the late 1930s, when the U.S. reacted to Japan's increased military presence. They reacted by sending around 1,100 laborers to build a military base. They sent some marines, sailors, and soldiers to fortify the base and finish construction. Wake Island, in 1941, is home to about 500 U.S. Marines, Army troops, and Navy sailors, all commanded by Marine Major James Devereaux. In addition, it hosted the aforementioned 1,100 construction contractors and some Pan American Airways workers, manning the small Pan Am seaplane terminal. For defense, it boasted several old 5-inch naval guns and a few 3-inch anti-aircraft guns. The keystone of the island's defense was its squadron of 12 Marine gunmen F4F Wildcat fighters. In December 1941, Japan was getting ready to declare war on the United States. Japan had been expanding in Asia for some time now, starting in 1931 when they invaded Manchuria. They invaded again in 1937 and started a brutal war machine that would rage through all of Eastern Asia. By the time the Japanese attacked America, they had taken control of the east coast of China from Manchuria to Thailand. The Japanese army was infamous for its brutality and the idea that being captured alive was dishonorable. They would often rather die in battle than be taken alive. They treated their prisoners horribly because they found the utmost dishonor in surrender. They also had forced military occupation of places they captured. When they got to these places, they would commit atrocities against the people there. Take, for example, the rape of Nanking. This was the capital of the Chinese nationalists, and when the Japanese took the city, they ran rampant for about a week. They pillaged families and killed innocent civilians. What they did to the people of that city is unspeakable. This is just one example of the crimes the Japanese army committed. However, the Sino-Japanese War had put great strain on their resources. Here was Japan fighting a war for resources, and the Japanese Navy was burning 2,900 barrels of oil every single hour, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The same thing was also happening with things like rubber and tin and steel. Japan is bleeding itself dry of what little resources it could produce. They were going to have to find themselves a new well to drink from. Japan, in addition to their resource empire, seeked to also create its own defense perimeter for the greater East Asian co-prosperity sphere, the construction of which would involve the heavy fortification and occupation of many small islands and atolls, such as the Marshalls, Truk, Jaluit, Guam, and Wake. These fortified islands would also contain airfields. This defense perimeter would be supplemented by the Imperial Japanese Navy, both the surface fleet and the submarines. On December 7th, 
December 18th for Japan due to the international dateline. 1941, when the Japanese planes soared down upon the battleship row at Pearl Harbor, Japanese planes also hit Wake Island, Guam, and the Philippines. On Wake, the situation was a disaster. Eight of the Wildcats were destroyed, leaving only four left. In his book, The Story of Wake Island, Major James Devereux writes, quote, The Japs caught on the plane on the ground like sitting ducks. The men on the ground didn't have a chance, end quote. The Pan Am station was hit, destroying machine shops and the radio shack. Troops fired the three-inch anti-aircraft guns and machine guns, but the planes were too slow. The Pan Am Philippine Clipper was undamaged and later left Wake that day, carrying some of the Pan Am employees. In the aftermath of the bombardment, Devereux took immediate action to secure Wake from any further attack. Marines, sailors, soldiers, and civilians alike all manned machine guns and other weapons. Fires needed to be extinguished. Men nervously watched the skies for more Japanese planes. Bulldozers carved dugouts from the earth. Bombproof shelters were made. At noon on the 9th, land-based bombers from Taiyongi appeared over the skies. The Wildcats attacked, but the two planes that could intercept could not best the 27 bombers. The hospital went up in an explosion, killing most of the wounded from the previous bombing. Early on the morning of December 11th, Devereux was awakened. Given a pair of binoculars and a point in the general direction, he could see a Japanese naval task force. He ordered his men to prepare for battle. Marines manned the five-inch naval guns. The Japanese ships began to shell the island. When the task force closed on the island, he gave the order to fire. Flames belched from the barrels of the five-inch rifles. The first salvo was over. The second was not. Shells straddled the Japanese ships. The shells damaged multiple Japanese warships, some severely. The remaining four Wildcats, fitted with makeshift bomb racks, descended upon the Japanese force. From the combined bombs and shell fire, two Japanese destroyers were sunk. Kurosagi and Hayate both disintegrated, only one man being rescued from Hayate. The Japanese force had been smashed. The ranking U.S. naval officer, Commander Cunningham, when asked for necessary supplies to be sent in a later aborted relief mission, is reported to have said, quote, send more Japs, end quote, defiant words in a hopeless situation. Lady Luck was not on the defenders of Wakes's side for long, though. The Japanese, stunned by the Americans' initial response, immediately ordered a more powerful force to take Wake Island. Japanese carrier planes began bombing Wake. The men on Wake soon ran out of food during the siege, and many were weakened by disease. The siege lasted for several weeks. Many of the men were hopeful that the Navy would send a task force to lift the siege and rescue them, but it was later aborted. The remaining Wildcats fought valiantly, day after day, with the Japanese planes, but there were simply too many. On the 22nd, Devereux was given a grim report. Quote, Lieutenant Davidson had gone down fighting alone out there in the sea. Our last plane was gone. End quote. With their air defense gone, the men knew Japanese troops would be landing on the island any day now. At 1.15 a.m. on the 23rd of December, two Japanese destroyers, packed with troops, beached themselves on the atoll, disgorging their passengers onto the ground. The American troops fought tooth and nail for every inch of ground, determined not to give up their island. Japanese troops still swarmed forward despite the U.S. defenses. After a full night of fighting, the defenders of Wake Island surrendered. The impact that Wake Island had is almost unseen. The Battle of Wake Island, along with the fall of Guam and the Philippines, is often overlooked, with most mainstream history enthusiasts focusing on Pearl Harbor. 
Despite this, Wake played a pivotal role in the Pacific theater. It taught both sides a lesson. To the Japanese, it showed them that the Americans would not roll over and not give up in a fight. To the Americans, it showed them the kind of foe they would be dealing with. The resistance of the besieged Americans gave the U.S. public a necessary morale booster, which was especially important in the time right after Pearl Harbor when the situation seemed bleak for the U.S. In the end, America took back control of Wake Island after the end of World War II. Nowadays, the atoll remains under U.S. control, with its facilities still in operation with the U.S. Air Force. The story of Wake Island is an interesting one, where, despite overwhelming odds and no hope of rescue, people still fought. Much like Davy Crockett and Tim Travis at the San Antonio Mission in 1836, when they fought to defend their republic, the Marines of Wake Island fought to defend their nation on the Alamo of the Pacific. (laughs) 